As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staple Show and Friends podcast feed, the flagship college football podcast at The Athletic. Thank you for joining us. I'm Sam Kahn, senior college football writer at The Athletic, also known as the Texpert, joined as always by my good friend Max Olson, national college football writer and our guru on the transfer portal realignment and stop rate. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to bring Justin Williams, our good friend and colleague at The Athletic, who covers Cincinnati on the pod, talk about some Big 12 developments, talk a little bit about TCU and their playoff hopes. And then also we'll discuss a little bit about this, uh, this TV deal going on. Of course, we got the low key game of the week as always, Max, how are you today? A little weary, you know, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of news, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I, uh, just trying to, just trying to keep up, man. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. We're hitting that home stretch here. We're in the final month of the season. I always joke with, uh, with friends of mine on this is I, I spend all off season waiting for, college football to get here and you get hyped up and you can't wait for that first game to kick off. And then we get to this point in the year, it's like, we're getting to the final month and it's like, woof, look at the calendar. It's like, Hey, when does the season end? <laughs> Not that we're tired of it. It's just I a little know. bit. It's a lot to cover. Like you said, and we got this, uh, this TV deal that popped off over the weekend uh, mm-hmm. that, that adds a little bit to already what we have going on with the playoff rankings going on. And we're getting into the part of the season where the game's, stakes are raising quite a bit uh but let's start, I know. Let's start we, right we had there. to we had to flip the outrage switch on tuesday finally you know and get the get the <laughs> we did. committee in the mix here we did and, and we'll talk about that in a mi- minute but i yeah i i just don't know that i'm i used to get really outraged over a lot of them and now i think i'm not there yet i think it's gonna have we're gonna have to get closer to the end before me to get upset i think it's mm-hmm. also because i'm just come to expect uh nonsense from the committee and they they didn't disappoint on Tuesday, at least as it regards TCU. But uh, but let's start with the the TV deal real quick because uh, this was something that popped off over the weekend. Uh, Max Brett Yormark, the the new commissioner of the Big Twelve, talked a big game on the TV deal uh, a few weeks ago. Said, "Hey, we're we're within having a deal done within a week or two. And, and I I know that raised a lot of eyebrows around the conference around the country. But he delivered. They 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 were able to close in on a deal that raises the per school payout for everybody, even without Texas Oklahoma in the future. 
Uh, and it seems to be a pretty big win for everybody involved. I guess 31 million is what you're looking at uh, from a TV perspective. And then when you add all the other stuff, they're hoping it's going to get to about 50 uh, a year, which is a pretty good, uh, pretty good windfall for the schools that are left behind. But mm-hmm. Max, what do you think of how this was able to come together and kind of what it means long-term for this conference? Yeah, I thought it was uh, ultimately uh, an impressive showing uh, by Brett Yormark, who, you know, we have to continue to remember that this is all new to him. Um, you know, certainly he's he's a guy that the Big 12 hired him to be a deal maker, and his experience uh, is certainly very pertinent to this. But this is still someone who's really familiarizing himself with the conference that he's running and, and, and the membership and um, certainly the changing membership. And so to be able to, you know, get ESPN and Fox to the table early instead of doing this in the spring of 24. Um, that, that alone showed you that, that, you know, kind of, he had it maybe a good read on the situation here um, and an ability to go out and get what it would. It seemed like the big 12 board wanted, which is stability and security and, and some real clarity about their financial future. And um, especially if you can, if, if doing this, I, you know, you, you would assume that doing this, you know, locks up everybody else in, the in the big 12 in terms of a grant of rights for the rest of the decade i think that's pretty important um certainly you know i i think that the the like it, it the, the way you frame it is like kind of important with this and that is to, to me like if, if we're talking about kind of what they are up against and what they achieved um like i understand there's a, a tendency to say well this is this is not even close to the sec in the big 10 but i think that that ever since july 2021 the reality is the big 12 is trying to hang with the acc and the pac-12 and they're trying to be slightly ahead of the acc and the pac-12 that, that's the goal here to be number three and i and i think that is uh that is by itself a pretty ambitious goal here when especially after you lose texas and oklahoma and i think certainly getting this deal done um keeps them where they need to be, I think, relative, you know, certainly ahead of the ACC. And we'll see how the Pac-12 deal uh, shakes out. But I think if you had told Big 12, um, you know, administrators, whether it's ADs or school presidents back in July 21, that the next TV deal without Texas and Oklahoma uh, is going to be for more, they would have thrown a victory parade. Like that would be a hu- that would be a huge relief to everyone. And so I think that's, um, I think that's important to keep in mind. I know it's not this massive windfall obviously they don't have you know the ability to take it to market and do what the pac-12 is doing right now of trying to court amazon or other you know new partners here but um i think in terms of uh the the opt you know the challenges that uh, the conference was facing um it's it's definitely more than more than good enough in terms of uh, of, of solving a bunch of problems yeah no doubt and and i'll hit on a few things that you hit there number one back to summer of 2021 uh, not long after all that happened, Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, got in front of a special select Senate committee in the state of Texas and said that they were making $28 million in TV revenue and that he estimated that Texas and Oklahoma is probably half of that. So that was, I think, probably set off some alarm bells. It's like, wow, then how much dip are you taking? Right. And, and look, I, I know that's been cited a lot. Um, like, Bob Bowlesby's not wrong. He knows what he's talking about, right? Like, I think... Um, so, so like, I don't think that was like a mistake to say that and put that out there. Um, that's just, that was just the reality of the situation. And that's how it felt at the end of July and 21. And, and certainly like with inflation and, and just the way that the, that, um, like the way that like 
the cost of rights just continues to, it just goes up over time right live so like, sports is valuable right live sports is super valuable exactly and so um yeah this being more valuable in 26 than it is at the start of the big 12 deal that you know that makes total sense um but it's still you know at, at that point in time you're you're being realistic and saying look you know the four schools the big 12 added help help drive more value in this conversation but at that time the big 12 had not expanded and they and they are they know that shoot Notre Dame's not coming like who can you possibly add that fully replaces the value of of what Texas and Oklahoma bring yeah and so you take that and I I know you've probably heard this as well as people you've talked to in the conference over the last year that once the new schools got added Mm -hmm. the, the message I kept hearing was that we there were still positivity about them at least being flat and potentially going up. And I know you, we have to suss out in those conversations how much of that is just politicking, how much of that is wishful thinking, how much of that is legit. But I think when you look at the end of the day of where they were on, in July 2021 when that first move hit, when Oklahoma and Texas make the announcement, and where we are now where you've got a stable conference that see, at least seems to be stable now, They've added four pretty quality programs. And you look at the league right now and just in terms of the football quality that we've seen this year and what the future could look like without Texas and Oklahoma really carrying any weight. Oklahoma's obviously not good this year on the field. Texas is better than they were, but they're they're not a top team in the Big 12 at this very moment. I think you have to say that as you sit right now in November of 2022, that the outlook in this conference overall when you add sports, football, basketball, TV, the whole nine, it looks pretty bright right now for the Big 12. I think so, yeah. Um, I, and I think that what we're seeing, like you've seen, um, you know, Andy and everybody else kind of get behind, oh, man, the Big 12 is really fun this year. All their games are really um, exciting. Like this race is going to be crazy and all that kind of stuff. Like <clears throat> when you take down the road, when you take um, Texas and Oklahoma out of it, um I think that this parody probably will endure for a little while. And now obviously lots of programs have their ups and downs. You know, if you have coaching changes in certain places, then they're going to slide back and stuff like that. But I, I, I think that's part of the value for ESPN and Fox in, in, in the proposition of looking at the, the big 12 is that, you know, yeah, that there's, there's nothing like you don't have red river. You don't have sort of those, some of those tent pole events and stuff like that. But um, you know, I, I think you know that like different teams are going to go win, go go reach that Big Twelve title game every year, basically. You know, like I, I I think you look at that future without those two, and yeah, maybe it's not as sexy in terms of just the overall TV rating that you're driving because a lot of people watch Texas and Oklahoma games. But um, I think the you know generally the quality of, of of competition and play in like all their conference games going forward, I think it's going to be pretty good. I mean, there'll be some that fall back, but right now, especially as you see um, Kansas and, you know, certainly like Texas Tech and TC were struggling last year and they've come up this year. Like I, 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 I think it's a pretty, pretty good product to offer. And that's, I think certainly there was value in that. And then obviously Sam, you know, um, when those new members come in, I think you, you know, Brett Mormick has said it. And um, I think there's a lot of, of merit to it. I mean, it's, I'm, it'll, be a thing that fan bases can debate and stuff but probably is the strongest you know men's basketball conference from top to bottom um you know starting in in 23 24 yeah especially if they add gonzaga which that popped off on wednesday which uh <laughs> very very early discussion seems to be uh what jumped out of you that certainly surprised me i'm sure it, what jumps out of you about that 
that lingering discussion as it relates yeah to well you know sam as a college football reporter i can't say i'm super well sourced when it comes to <laughs> university of gonzaga and uh and their basketball program mark few and all those guys um yeah so that was that was an interesting one to pop up um i think i like okay so when you saw that yesterday do you buy that do you like immediately buy that as like okay yep that makes sense big 12 should go do that or do you did you kind of read that one with some some skepticism it it i really is just i have no idea what to think to be quite honest with you it's it's i i can see it as your mark like you said he's you know brought in to be kind of aggressive and a little bit out of the box and this is certainly fits in that in that mold but basketball is really really important because it is the second you know highest revenue generating sport so i understand it the conference already is going to be really really good in the big 12 in basketball but at the same time, it's not a football move, so I don't, I don't know what it really does. That's that's the thing, and it's it definitely caught me by surprise. That's for sure. So I don't know what it means long term, but it, but it is interesting to see that they are having those discussions. And it again, it's I think it speaks to the Big Twelve is not going to just okay, we get got the TV deal, we're just going to sit pat and take a victory lap. Like no, it looks like they're still being very active in uh, in, in all these realignment talks. Yeah, I, I think it's like I think it's going to be. I think it's an interesting example of you know how does brett yarmark see see the big 12 versus how does everyone else in the big 12 see it because i i you know his background is more in basketball than football you know he's he's worked in nba organizations for for more than 20 years in his career um he's you know when he was with barclays center um and the nets you know they they hosted insulin tournament games and and uh like those basketball showcases and stuff like that so he, he's you know indiana grad he's a big basketball guy and I'm sure that he sees Gonzaga as, as a big basketball brand. It is. I mean, it's it's one of the, you know, probably top 10 programs that really matter from year to year in college basketball. And so I certainly in terms of like the brand and the opportunity to make games with, you know, Gonzaga, Kentucky and with all these programs that I'm sorry, with Gonzaga, Kansas and with all these um, big 12 programs, like you, you certainly see some, some upside there. Um, and also like, Let's be honest, you know, talking to Gonzaga by, like by itself to me strikes me as like kind of a, another example of the thing that, that uh, George Klyavkov <laughs> cried about in the summer, which is the Big 12, you know, lobbing grenades from all directions. <laughs> I think that trying to, you know, looking into moves that like the Pac-12 should be making, like that is by itself probably <laughs> a smart thing for, for Brett Yormark to do to continue to uh, mess with his counterpart over there and um, continue to be a disruptor. So, cause I don't, you know, I, I would imagine if you asked, if you pulled Gonzaga fans, they'd rather be in the Pac-12 um, than the big 12, I, I would assume. Um, now they'd want to be, they, they've made it clear yesterday. They want to be an all sports member of a, of a power five conference. Maybe that's not how the Pac-12 and the Big 12 see it right now. Maybe they just want a basketball-only member. And obviously that's more complicated on the Gonzaga side than it is for the conferences. But um, I, it's it's interesting. It's, a, it's an interesting proposition. Um, you know, you certainly, as, as Jormark has said repeatedly, any moves they make need to add value and not be dilutive. And so you wonder where does the money come from to support Gonzaga basketball or, you know, or all Gonzaga sports, if, if that's what Gonzaga is um, somehow going to be able to do. Um, that, that I wonder about and kind of how, where does the prorata clause fit into all this? Um, and, and you know, what, what authority do they have to go add, you know, 
non-power five schools to their conference. But um, I think it, I, it's an, it's an, it's an interesting idea. I, I think it's probably early on in terms of these talks and, and, you know, how will the PAC 12 respond to that? I think it's going to be interesting. Maybe this is the thing that kind of pokes them to take Gonzaga a little bit more seriously. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be interesting to, to see play out, but uh, fascinating time, certainly in the big 12. And of course, on the football field, things are going pretty well, at least at least at the very top with TCU still undefeated 8-0 uh, after last week going to West Virginia, getting a win. They've got Texas Tech uh, on Saturday for the big noon kickoff. I will be there in, in Fort Worth to see uh, Sonny Dykes and the Frogs. But uh, they finished or they ended up number seven in the inaugural college football playoff rankings on Tuesday night. And... We'll talk about this with Justin Williams a little bit later, but I can't say I'm 100% surprised, even though I would definitely have had them higher. When when we did our piece on the Athletic where we all picked who we think the four teams should be, I had TCU as number four. I think you can split hairs between Clemson and TCU because I think the, uh, the resumes are both pretty similar. But what was your initial takeaway from seeing them at seven? And do they do you view that as... TCU has to go undefeated to get into the playoff. I think the way it's setting up right now, TCU does have to go undefeated to, to make the playoff. And I'm not saying that that's, you know, right or wrong um, because we, there's just a lot that has to play out in the big 10 and in the sec um, to kind of clear the way, I think for a one loss uh, TCU um, as a big 12 champ making the playoff. I just think that the, you know, I think people probably there's kind of this consensus that the, you know, five best teams in the country this year are probably the ones in in the the Big Ten and the SEC right now. And so there's a lot that has to has to you know go down here in the next month to to clarify those situations. Um, it I don't know, say like there's a there's a part of me like I I wasn't surprised because I'm I'm kind of cynical about this stuff by nature, um, and I and in the back of my head I was reminded. I think ever since 2014, Gary Patterson has basically said like, yeah, I don't know if we'll, I, I don't know if that I like actually ever trust them to let us in. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. think as, as good as they were in 14 and obviously, you know, there's some pretty important um, details there that are the reason why TC didn't make it. But um, I, like I, I can understand a, a, a TCU fan being skeptical about, um, you know, about, about the logo on the helmet to some degree and about, how are we going to be treated as fairly as, as we should in this kind of process? So I, in some ways I wasn't surprised, but you know, there it's such an interesting deal this year because you don't hear like, you don't hear Brooke Corgan, the committee chair or anybody on the, on the ESPN set really like putting in perspective that TCU is doing all this with a new coach. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, isn't there to me, there's, there's some, there's something really impressive about how Sonny Dykes and his staff have been able to do this with a team that they just took over. Um, and I'm not saying you put them in the playoff over Clemson because Dabo's been there longer. I'm not trying to say that, but I think the the journey this team's on is like pretty damn impressive. And but at the same time, I kind of like how do you look at this in terms of like if if nobody expected TCU to be eight and zero to me, this is like kind of house money from here. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like, it's 
awesome to beat. Maybe I'm TCU fan would totally shout me down and disagree with me on this, but um, and I'm I'm not trying to say this stuff doesn't matter. It definitely does. But you made it this far. Nobody thought you would make it this far. Um, maybe just like maybe it's okay to be at this ranking at this point in the season. And if you went out, then they have to put you in. But I I now, yeah, I feel like things are kind of flipping now from holy crap, we're really good this year, didn't see this coming, to now we're in the playoff debate, and now we have to, like, you have to kind of shift gears a little bit mentally to, like, how impressive are they, and, like, you know, margin of victory and stuff like that, when it's like, <laughs> man, they're kind of in, it's crazy they're even in this. Yeah, no, there's no question, and I think, I think that's where you're going to find the TCU fans conflicted right now, because you do have to enjoy this, and if you finish the season 10-2, and two, yeah, that means you went two and two down the stretch, but I think you have to feel good about that considering where this program has been the last four years. And then you've got, you're in the playoff. Dude, ten, 10 and two would be objectively like unbelievable. Yeah. Compared to what we thought year. TC would be this year. Yeah. I thought they were maybe, maybe could be an eight and four team possibly. Uh, I thought they know, were probably I, a six and six team and probably yeah. a little better. That's what I, I thought. thought. I, yeah. I thought, I thought eight and four was kind of a ceiling is like, that, that that would be a good first year for Sunny Dykes in, in the career. Really good. Yeah. But but you're now 8-0. You're seventh in the playoff rankings. You're in the mix. You have a Heisman candidate, by the way. And sure do. And and you are you are the best team in the Big 12 right now. There's just no question about that. And you you're in the driver's seat to get in the Big 12 championship game. That's the other thing, is I think as long as they get in the Big 12 championship game, I think you I think the season's a success regardless. But I think that makes you feel better about it if you make sure that you get in that Big 12 championship game. And so, yeah, by all measures, sure, you should absolutely enjoy it. But I also understand TCU fans, given 2014 yeah, and the memories from that experience, why they're going to be a little anxious for the next four weeks. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. like I, I'm not trying to say, like, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to just, like, pat TCU on the head here and say, hey, you're doing good. Don't worry about all this other stuff. Like I'm, I'm not trying. Like if TCU, you know, gets to gets to eleven one, gets to twelve and one. I mean, I'll be, I'll be, you know, on 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 that mountaintop, you know, with everyone. I'll, I'll be on that hill with everyone else, yelling about how they should be in the playoff, like for sure. Um, it's just to me, it's like it's just been interesting. Like now that we've now that we've hit November, and now that it's committee time and playoff time and stuff. Now you start talking about it in, ter- in just kind of in different terms now, where it's like, how how dominant are you relative to how Ohio mm-hmm. State or Michigan is looking on a weekly basis or or how Alabama is looking as a one-loss team and stuff like that. It's like the standard kind of comes in here where you, you know, now we have to hold them up to, um, you know, the best teams in the country. And right. it's going to be – those conversations are going to be fascinating because I – I will be really surprised if TCU goes 12 and 0 um, and, and unbelievably impressed. I'm not saying they can't do it, um, but you know, the way it will be really interesting to see how the, how the debate kind of develops here over these next few weeks about the strength of what they've, of their accomplishments and how it holds up to the strength of other teams accomplishments. And then if they do lose one game, I don't think the world should count them out and say that they don't they don't belong 
with Clemson and everybody else, or, or, or you know, I mean, certainly among the undefeateds, it's a different conversation. But um, I, I think that, uh, like, that's where I you kind of need to see them treated fairly. Is if they are an eleven and one team, are they going to be? Is the committee like kind of going to kind of give them no love? That 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 would be the thing that really bothers me. So I guess what I'm saying is, for right now, I think they should be higher. Not surprised that they're not. Uh, but I'm, just, I'm I think I'm you, as I talk this out clearly you can tell I'm still trying to like wrap my head around uh you know what is like the right thing to do about TCU because as I said they they've just so far exceeded um expectations and, and they've been and they're really talented too right this is not just like a team no this is that's a good scraping team. out some some tight wins over some okay big 12 teams and I think maybe outside of the the territory we live in, saying maybe that's how people see it. That's not the case, man. They're really, they they've got some they've got some dudes. This is a talented team that that I think uh, it's it's more than just kind of a neat little story. Like this is a team that I think as they continue to build confidence and they've obviously got to stay healthy, but offensively what they're doing, I know Tennessee gets all the shine, but this TCU offense has has been pretty unbelievable this year. Yeah, without question. The thing is, is people are going to start watching like texas tech this weekend people are going to pay attention not just if they win but how they win right if they, if they do win uh and i i agree with you i think it's going to be hard to go 12 and 0 and i cited the stat before but 2016 is the last time a big 12 team has run the table in the conference it's been a long time so that that's number two i think and that, and i, I think that was the was that the ou team that already lost two games i think they lost two started zero and two and then reeled off you know, a bunch of big 12 wins. Lost right to Houston and, uh, and Ohio yep. State that year. That's right. That's okay. right. That's yep. right. So uh, they certainly should be ahead of Alabama. Let's just start there. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it, I, I, the, the logic, of course, that Boo, Cor- Boo Kerrigan used. Corrigan Kerrigan? I Corrigan. forget his name. Corrigan. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, that they're, the committee is concerned that TCU gets behind. I'm like, well, you know. Alabama got behind <laughs> one of them. They never ended up winning, right? Which was against, of course, number one Tennessee. And the one, the one win that's kind of propping Alabama up at this point. Well, I guess three wins because he cited Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Tennessee. I mean, in te- Texas, but Texas is the one ranked win that's kind of propping them up. So when I look at TCU schedule and down the Texas stretch is here, barely in the top twenty-five right now. They're the, tw- the yeah, they're yeah, they're twenty-four right now right. as we sit, and so. If, if you're TCU, if you're going to lose a game down the stretch, it probably needs to be that one. So if you're going to lose, if you're going to finish 11 and one going to the Big 12 championship game, you're probably best served to lose the Texas game on the road because A, it's a road game. B, it would probably help Texas's ranking. And so then, yeah, there's your quality loss, just like, uh, just like Alabama has. Well, okay. And let's, let's add this. Okay. Um, it, what Texas has a chance, I don't think they're going to, but Texas has a chance to win out in November and get to the Big 12 title game. So, like, if you're TCU, you're, all, you're also probably hoping for, if that's your one loss, that you can see them again, too, and eventually. That would that would help a lot. That would help a lot. Uh, that means that means Texas is going to have to beat K-State, TCU. And if they, if they beat K-State and then TCU, if Texas does that, then, yeah, then beating Kansas and Baylor to close out the season seems like a feasible task. Uh, that would be wild if we saw TCU Texas would, Big Twelve Championship. That'd be wild. Yeah, good turnout uh, for that. No doubt. Uh, but but that that's good. So that's going to be interesting to follow. Uh, and and we'll talk. I said we'll talk a little bit more with uh, just about this. But a couple things before we move on. One, 
do you think we should be wary of the Sonny Dykes uh, November swoon that has happened? His last stop at TCU became a thing in the last three years. Is that something that you think TCU fans need to worry about? Hmm. Um, I don't. I don't know. It seems like we should have Joel Anderson on to to break this one down for us. Um, he was so funny. You know, I was, I've been thinking about that too lately. I was like, <laughs> uh, I was like, the the longer TCU is in this, the the more likely we're going to get Joel on. Yes. Yeah. I think I think that's probably true. Um. I. I don't know. I. I. I mean. I think. That's that's the challenge here of just staying being perfect in November when when guys are inevitably more banged up and stuff. That's it's it's tough. I I don't think a big slide's coming from TCU. I'd I'd be surprised by that. But honestly, Sam, what you said before is probably right. If they lose to Texas Tech, do you think that the committee and the world just kind of done with them? Probably, uh, unless th- they would have to win out and then beat a ranked team in the Big Twelve Championship. I think to have a chance, and they would also need some help. They because. If they lost to Tech, Texas Tech this weekend, they're probably dropping to ten, maybe eleven. You know, and, and so and then that's me, probably a little further than they should deserve may, to drop based on how yeah, the stuff goes. Yeah, and 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 it's not without their own possibility because I mean, remember Texas Tech beat Texas uh, earlier this year. They're a team that's explosive enough offensively that can be in be in that game, and it's going to be. I'm expecting a really good atmosphere because there's been some jawing back and forth between those two programs this year. Uh, I'm calling it the Cactus Bowl after uh, mm-hmm. after everything that happened earlier this year, but mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. But it, but but if you are a 10, 11, or twelve after this week, and you're needing to climb back up, boy, you're going to need some help to get back in. And that's not, and again, like you said, because then suddenly not, you care about the Pac-12 situation. It's not that we're saying it should. A lot yeah. of people to fade out. Yeah, it's not that we're saying that it should be that way, but that's just the reality. It's not fair, and I don't like it. I, I think it's ridiculous, but. That is the 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 dilemma for them. The, and now the, this is where the twelve team playoff is going to add some interest because if you, if this was a twelve team playoff year, then you're not really worried about slipping up one game in the season because then as long as you go in and win the Big Twelve, you're in. And so and and today TCU would be a top four seed in that playoff. Exactly today. Today yeah. now that. Might not end up being the case if the if the Pac-12 champ finishes higher than you, then then you know you're probably in that. Uh, I mean, you're almost certainly in that five to twelve range. But um, and whether hosting or not hosting, we, you know, we'd see probably hosting. I would think. But um, yeah, no, you're right. It would be a totally that that and that's the thing that's like kind of. I know you can we can have that healthy debate about whether going to twelve is good um, or, or better or worse. But um, yeah, at least there wouldn't be this like treating TCU like they're a fraud kind of thing like going mm-hmm. on right now because you'd just say, <laughs> "Look, they look like one of the twelve best teams in the country." Right, right, absolutely. Uh, before before we move on, Max, you're you're a Game of Thrones guy, were you? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a couple behind still on this new season, but yes. Okay, uh, I'm not. I've never watched it. Not yeah. not for any. I'm not a book reader. I'm, I'm just... not. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a... 
real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. What did you think of TCU's uh, Game of Thrones style Heisman? campaign that they've launched this week for max duggan uh pretty good yeah i I like the house of duggan um getting that started i like the gold throne he's sitting on in the 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 tweet from tcu to get this going um you know i i think that it's always interesting like whenever you talk with like sids about that you know like how do we how do we handle that i I was even asking when i visited kansas a month ago like when when are you guys launching the the jalen daniels heisman campaign like when does that what's that gonna look like and all that um it's a, they're always kind of wary about like when's the right time to jump in there and throw that out there. Um, but I think Max Duggan, like look in our, our Heisman straw pool um, deal, I continue to, to give him my 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 third place spot in my in my uh, ballot. Now I'm not saying that's what I'll do um, in December when it's time for the, the real vote necessarily, but I think right now Max Duggan has um, every right to be talked about. You know, like Hen Hooker and, and CJ Stroud. And in fact, I think you can get pretty good odds on, on Max Duggan winning the Heisman right now compared to those two guys that are uh, so far ahead of everybody. Um, I, I, I think that just his accomplishments this year, the way that he has elevated his game just to a, a completely different level than we've seen um, in his college career so far. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's time to roll that out. I think I think he deserves to be in that conversation. What do you think? Uh, no, without question, he's on my he's on my straw poll ballot right now as well, and has been for several weeks, uh, deservedly so. I'm just really impressed in this uh, in this Heisman tweet and Instagram post that they put. The suit that he's wearing is really nice. Like he's <laughs> they've got they've got him uh, dressed to a T, and uh, I think it's it's pretty cool. And I'm glad to see them kind of putting some backing behind this campaign because I think he is going to need all the uh, all the support he can get in this because of where TCU is in the playoff ranking. And like I said, Hannon Hooker is the, the odds-on favorite at this point, and, and deservedly so. I mean, Tennessee is the number one team, and they're, they're, what they've accomplished so far this, this season has been really impressive. But, but I, I uh, no, he, he's been he's – been, you can't say much more about him. He's been a great player. He's been a great teammate. He's been everything Sonny Dykes couldn't imagine and could ask for in a first-year guy. And honestly, that's one of the big reasons that the talent on the roster is why they're here. But having a guy like that, especially when, you know, your starter got hurt, you know, three quarters in and granted that Duggan was a starter for three years, but, but having a guy like that has just been invaluable to TCU's success this year and, and him being able to lead some of these comebacks, uh, you know, 
him and Kinder Miller. It, it's been it's been the reason why TCU is sitting here at eight and zero right now. So yep, and and Quentin Johnson's playing like a first rounder. Sam, do you think Henry Hooker could just like straight up win the Heisman this weekend? Yeah, like yeah. will it be if they beat will, Georgia will it, if they beat Georgia and he puts up crazy numbers like he did against Alabama? Like, is it is it over? Pretty much, like it's kind of like the Johnny <laughs> Manziel. Is, right? When, I mean, when, was... when Johnny Manziel won the Heisman against <clears throat> Alabama back in November of 2012, like when he. When they were the, when with the team and, that was not number one in the country, obviously. No, yeah, but when they upset Alabama, you knew that was the guy at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, you really did. And and I think if if Tennessee beats Georgia and Hendon Hooker has a good game, yeah, you can pretty much for all we can kind of just put purposes. that whole thing on the shelf for a little while. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, obviously, there's been some last like you remember. Tua was was supposed to win it, and then you know he gets benched in the SEC title game. Kyler has, a, has another big game. Kyler takes it from him. Like I suppose it would it would take an SEC title game, I think maybe surprise to uh, to take or or some Tennessee losses this year. I imagine to take it away, but man, that guy might have it wrapped up by Monday. Yeah, yeah, no, it's been impressive what he's done, uh, and another portal success story. You know, that's right. We've That's had right. some of those in the Heisman, or even before the portal, but we had some transfer success stories in the Heisman uh, trophy race and that have won the Heisman. So uh, another sign of kind of the evolution of college football. Uh, another big game in the conference this week, we talked touched a little bit on Texas, is in Manhattan. They've got to go to K-State. Uh, Texas coming off a bye week and K-State coming off an absolute domination of Oklahoma Ooh. State. 48 nothing the worst defeat that Oklahoma State has taken in the Mike Gundy era. First time they'd gotten shut out since 2009. And they did that. K-State did that without Adrian Martinez. They did it with mm-hmm. Will Howard, yeah. who was nails. And Deuce Vaughn, of course, doing what Deuce Vaughn does. But they were great on defense. They were great on special teams. And What, what do you think very- is that was like unfolding? <laughs> I, was, was- I was stunned. It was I was I was absolutely stunned because I had just watched Oklahoma State the week before, yeah, fight for a win against Texas and come back, and I really saw resolve. And I I think I even said it on on this pod a week ago is that I thought Oklahoma State would go back and see TCU in the Big Twelve Championship, and now obviously it doesn't look like that that's going to be the case. I I was really stunned just to see it's just in, in the conference when you have two good teams in a conference rarely do you see a domination of this sort in, in a conference game. And so stunned, no doubt, is is one way to say it. And now you look at K-State is in the driver's seat for that number two spot in the Big 12 title game. But th- this is a big – this game looms large because Texas wants to get back into that mix. And if they were to win, then they would be back in that mix, uh, whereas K-State can, can kind of put some distance a little bit between themselves and, and perhaps some others uh, with a win this weekend. But – a lot on the line in the little apple. Uh, how, how close Definitely. are you going to be watching this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that game. And, and I think Texas coming off the idle week is is definitely um, interesting. And, you know, like in terms of what happened to Oklahoma State here, Sam, to like it's tough, right? I mean, I think sometimes you can get, you know, you, you can put a lot of – I mean, that, that Texas game looked exhausting. It certainly was for Texas. And clearly it was for Oklahoma State too to go four hours like they did and – um, you know, to have to really grind it out and, and deal with a lot of injuries during that game. Um, I think that that sometimes that just like is is K-State, you know, that many points better than Oklahoma State on a, on a normal day? You know, probably not. But um, man, just what a what a butt kicking um, by, by this K-State team that, you know, I think we've seen them. 
you know, grind some some close ones. I think we've seen, you know, certainly without Adrian Martinez, it was, it was a little it was difficult against TCU to uh, put up a lot of points. So, man, what like what an injection of confidence for that K State team to feel like, okay, we are on the right track going into November here, and um, this is, you know, we we've got every opportunity to to get to Arlington now. But but and that was the thing I always talked about is if you could split those two for K State between TCU and Oklahoma State, if you could split them, then the Texas game becomes a huge game. And you have an opportunity to to you know win that one and and be real seriously in this mix and moving up the playoff rankings and all that. So super impressive by K State. Now you've got to try to um, you know double down here and, and and get another one against Texas. And I think Oklahoma State will be okay, but certainly you felt like they were you know playing playing some close ones and and there you know some of those issues that you, you felt like were popping up, like the lack of a run game, certainly showed up in that game. And and just what a glaring. Um, you know what? A, what a glaring result. Obviously, I, I don't think they're that horrible, but the, the, you got to be you got to be healthy and ready to go every week in this race. And uh, I think they'll bounce back here. But man, there's just so many good games left on this schedule. Um, you know, I, the, it's not like all these games were were, were front or all these conference slates were front loaded. Like I think it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be a, a, an exceptional finish. And, and I think there's going to be more games like that. I don't think there are going to be 48 point margins or whatever, but there's going to be more games like that, that you feel like, uh, man, didn't see that coming. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I think Oklahoma state is beat up for sure. Uh, there's no question about that. And, and not, not to justify that doesn't justify 48 point beating, but, but certainly yeah. it, it's an impact, but K state, I think the one thing that I took away from this is being able to win like that in that kind of game, with your backup quarterback is huge. And we just finished talking about TCU, which of course had Chandler Moore starting and then, you know, had to go back to Duggan. Yep. You get Adrian Martinez. Will Howard's an experienced guy. He's been in this role for multiple years now. Obviously when Skylar Thompson got hurt in the past, he, he, you know, he had to go through some, you know, bumps in the road as he learned how to, how to kind of get this thing, but to go out there and have a four touchdown performance, throw for almost 300 yards, well, that's got to give you a ton of confidence that, Hey, if we run into a situation late in the season where Adrian gets nicked up again or or we have an availability issue, man, you've got a guy who can go in there and win you a ball game and and do it in in a impressive fashion. So I think for K-State, that to sure. me is I think the biggest takeaway because that just like you said, it's such a boost of confidence because now it's like, okay, the world's not in and if, if Adrian Martinez is hurt. You know, we've got a yeah. guy who can rely on. I mean, they didn't they didn't sign Adrian Martinez because they felt like Will Howard can't play. I mean, Will Howard has obviously started more games for the Wildcats than Adrian Martinez has at this point. And um, you know, I think that they felt like Mar- Martinez adding him was kind of their all in shove this year that we've got we feel like we've got everything else and we just maybe maybe can we find that quarterback that's kind of that that kind of big missing piece, that kind of X factor that takes it over the top and um, you know, I think there's certainly you look at some of these games like Oklahoma that they've played and, and they I don't know that you went without Adrian Martinez, but uh, man, Will Howard has stayed ready to go. And and I thought I well, was just super impressive on his part. Um, and I know like I think he I think he induced for roommates as freshmen. So like, like, he's he's tight with these guys like this is a guy that has come up and through this rebuild with these guys and um, has kept putting in the work. And so um Cool, cool deal for them. And, and you know, certainly they have an advantage over, I think, a lot of teams in this race and that they have two quarterbacks. Yeah, no doubt. Num- number 13 in the initial playoff rankings, Kansas State is. So pretty good. Pretty good year. Pre- pretty good year for Chris Kleiman and, and the crew. Yeah. One one quick thing before uh, we move on to low-key game of the week is uh, the team that I'm interested to watch down the stretch here is Baylor. 
They just okay. came off this road win over Texas Tech, and I look at their schedule. They've got Oklahoma this weekend on the road, but Baylor has a chance to muck things up in this Big 12 race because their last three games, they host K-State, they host TCU, and they go to Texas. So that mm. Baylor has a chance to be the team that just screws everything up for everybody if they can play the way they did at Texas Tech. They were very dominant yeah. there, yeah, one by 28. Uh, so if they can, they're, they're kind of the uh oh team in all this, right? Where they, they are, they are. They're, they're, they're get the up on you, look, and you're like, oh no. You you look at the schedule, and you're like, well, these, you know, because Baylor had had a rough start to the year, but if they play like they did on Saturday, yeah, they could be that trap game. They could be that team that just messes things up for for K State and TCU. And, and if Texas is in this thing at the end on uh, after Thanksgiving, that's you, you know they they're gonna they're gonna go to Austin for that one. So. Uh, that that's a team I'm watching really closely here down the stretch because th- their schedule just sets up as potential chaos for everybody Definitely. in this yeah. conference. No, I think that's that's a great call. Okay, what's your low key game of the week? I'm gonna go with. Oh, we got a few nominees. I, I had Clemson Notre Dame on here, and the reason I put that one is because there's a We're there's a lot of good games this weekend. Okay. It's not very low key, but but uh, Tulane and Tulsa is definitely in the mix. I, I, the reason I put that mm-hmm. one, Tulsa's won the last two. Tulane right now they're in the college football playoff rankings at number nineteen, mm-hmm. but uh, but they are the favorite right now to get that New Year's Six spot. But Tulane, Tulsa's won the last two meetings, and they have to go on the road, so that's going to be interesting. But mine personally, being the Texas homer that I am, is Houston at SMU. Is the last time that Houston and SMU will play. Uh, for a while i don't know they're not on the non-conference schedule you know if houston of course moving on to the big 12 smu remaining to the american uh for at least for the foreseeable future but these teams have had some interesting uh battles over the years uh, you know of course i remember long long time ago uh, old fans will remember this but houston put up 95 on that smu team that had just come off the death penalty that was playing a bunch <laughs> of underclassmen yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. you know yeah. so there's some old southwest conference history there uh, if you remember the time that Lee Corso dropped an F-bomb on game day, college game day, that was right before a Houston SMU game uh, when game day was at, at University of Houston in 2011. So uh, there's that. Awesome. And then, uh, of course, we had – I remember Tom Herman once uh, stepped all over some SMU jerseys and then later on Chad Morris and SMU beat him, I think, like 38-16 or something and helped ruin uh, Tom Herman's second season at SMU. So – uh, I mean, Tom Herman's second season at Houston. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, they've had some interesting games over the years. I think SMU won one in 2012 that had like nine turnovers, where Houston had nine turnovers in the game as SMU scored 72. So it's been a very colorful history. Between I, I like these when two. there's spice between these two. Yeah. 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 And it's Houston and Dallas. You know, it's uh, Houston is branded as Houston's program, SMU is branded as Dallas's program. Uh, and so it's it's going to be the last time these two teams play, and I'm a little sad about it, even though it's not like a very you know prevalent rivalry nationally. But uh, yeah. it's one of these things that we're going to lose in realignment. I, I think there's still a possibility they will play. And Dana Holgerson said, "Hey, you know, it is potential, uh, potentially possible." But that is uh, that is one that I'm interested to see. And uh, you know, it. But Houston do you think is, for Houston, kind of on think, right now. I mean, like sentimentality aside, like do you think that? Houston should be trying to schedule easy once they get into the Big 12. Well, they're going to, the schedule is going to be this. It's going to be Power Five, Group of Five, FCS. That's going to mm-hmm. be the aim every year. And they want that Group of Five team to be in state, an in state school. Yeah. It's probably going to be more of a Rice, a yeah. North Texas, 
uh, Texas, Texas State, State UTSA. Yeah. Although UTSA moving to the American, I don't know. I, I would like them to see continue to play UTSA. Those have been some fun games, but for sure. But that yeah, makes me I mean, wonder. Like, I, I maybe it will be it will be a while before we get. I will they, tell you, Dana Holgerson would probably prefer that they schedule easier, because especially yeah. in the early going, because it's going to take them some time. I think, like you said earlier, you know, we, we talked to Justin. It's he's got to get the roster right. And, and I think they've been moving in that direction, but clearly this year we've seen they've had some issues with injuries and depth. Uh, but but they're going to have one Power 5 team, one group of five in-state team. Could SMU be that team? I, I think part of the dynamics too is, do you want to play a team that's trying to get to your conference or whatever? I don't know how much of that plays into those thoughts when making the schedule. Sure. Uh, for the same reason why teams like Texas and Texas A&M or – Baylor hasn't, or uh, Texas Tech has. Baylor hasn't played Houston. They haven't played Houston since Houston has been out of the Southwest Conference very often. It's mm-hmm. been very rare. I think the last time Texas played Houston was in 2002. So that there's Remember, Baylor that tried to play Houston in 2020, and that that didn't. Uh, they there did. Some, they did. There were some disagreements over that one for sure. Yeah, there were some disagreements at the end on why that got canceled, and there yeah. was. I remember a bus being parked out in front of. Uh, in front of McLean Stadium and yeah. Dana Holgerson tweeting about said bus. Yeah. A lot of people were unhappy uh, about that one. Yep. The ADs were not uh not very friendly about it. But uh but yeah. So I think it's potentially they could play, but I think it's probably gonna be a while. I think I think Houston would like that game to be rice, would like that G five in state game to be rice. And I think all these teams that you're gonna see move into the Big Twelve are gonna follow that schedule. That that's what apparently the Big Twelve would prefer is one power five, one group of five, one FCS for your non conference. So yeah, that makes uh, sense. So what's your what's yours uh, low key game of the week, Max? My low key game of the week is the um, it's the stop rate game of the week. It's uh, we got you know Louisville has been been unbelievable recently on defense. Um, obviously, you saw against Wake Forest, um, I, I grabbing eight turnovers in one game. Um, that that you t- you tend to I think teams probably when they grab eight turnovers in the game win one hundred percent of the time. I think I, I, think, <laughs> I haven't to. looked that up, but I'm pretty sure about that. Um, their defense has really turned things around here in the past few weeks. Uh, they've moved up to number 10 in stop rate. And uh, for reasons unknown, this week, Louisville is playing James Madison. <laughs> in November. In November. <laughs> I believe this is scheduled in 2018. James Madison obviously was not, um, you know, not not in the process of moving to, to FBS there uh, in 2018. Well, they were still a good FCS program, though, at that point. Yeah, is that, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely a contender in FCS. Um how, some you know that's 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 college football for you. Sometimes you just look at the schedule and you're like, how did how did this end up on the schedule? <laughs> Whose idea so, was that? <laughs> right. So James Madison is playing at Louisville, and if people haven't followed the the journey of James Madison this season, this is their first year in FBS, and uh, as as a member of the Sun Belt, and they are five and two, and they were they even briefly entered the AP top twenty five earlier this season um, when they were undefeated. They now they've lost two in a row. They lost to Georgia Southern and Marshall, but pretty pretty good year for for the new the new guys on the block here, and they are number six in stop rate right now, um, and have have been in the top ten for for the past few weeks. So uh, number six and number ten in stop rate. This is this is a good you know, match. Then I told you last week. Um, I told you last week that Arizona State CU is my stop rate game of the week, um, and to bet the over, and I did bet the over, and I did hit hit that um right on i hit that like very early in the third quarter so that was a win um i 
I like this game. I think I, I don't know if it'll be quite as low scoring, but uh, but two very impressive defenses so far this season. James Madison at Louisville doesn't make any sense why they're playing it, and that gives you even more reason to tune in. Well, and uh, also, J- James, you cannot play in the postseason this year, right? As part of the transition, right? Yes, FBS. and I believe they can't. I don't. I don't think they can play for the Sun Belt title either. So this is so th- this is the last power t- power five team they will play. This is their uh, Super season. Bowl, is what you're saying. So this is kind it? of like a bowl game for them, right? Yeah, I it's mean, ODU, Georgia State, degree. Coastal. After this, so Coastal will also be their uh, their Super Bowl. But yeah, no, I mean this is this is big time, and uh, you know, JMU is uh, should not be slept on. I think if you're Louisville yeah. and you've you've built some great momentum here, and, and Satterfield is maybe turning things around in terms of perception a little bit, but uh, this would be a this would be a bad loss. Although JMU's they're legit. They're good. Yeah. So the over/under on this is fifty-two and a half. So are you taking the under since it's the top-rate <laughs> game of the week? Well, you know, I'm just I'm not. You know, I was in a, I was in a state that allowed sports betting uh, last weekend, and so it was a different conversation. I'm back in my <laughs> state that does not allow that, so I will not be entertaining that. Are they going to? Is Nebraska going to do that at some point? Or are they trying to at some point? Um. Yeah, I mean, Tom Osborne's held that up for a long time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we'll get there someday, but uh, but Coach Osborne I don't, think is I don't think we're getting there in Texas the good fight to, to prevent that for now. Yeah, interesting. Well, that's uh, that's low key game of the that's week. That's an oversimplification, and- but and, and and mostly a joke. But no, we do yeah. not have. You can go cross the river to Iowa and do sports betting, but you cannot in Nebraska. Council Bluffs. Um. You can in Council in, in Max Duggan's town in Council Bluffs. You can do uh, sports betting, which is why I asked him about what he thinks of the casinos because that's uh, that's kind of the uh, one of the big highlights of Council Bluffs. I like I like I would love to answer about that. That was fantastic. Uh, well, let's uh, let's bring in Justin Williams, a Cincinnati writer for the Athletic. Let's talk about some Big Twelve, some TCU, and a lot more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome a special guest to the pod, a good friend and colleague of ours, athletic staff writer covering Cincinnati, Justin Williams. Justin, welcome to the pod, man. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Always good to get on and, and talk Big 12 otherwise with you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt. It's uh, We're getting closer. I think the last time we had you on, we were still very much in the early stages of Big 12 expansion, and they had just added the teams, and now we're looking forward to to this schedule coming out, I guess, in a few weeks, apparently to what Houston tells us. Dana Holgerson said the schedule is going to be out a few weeks, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, I wanted to br- we wanted to bring you on today because you wrote a column on Tuesday after the rankings came out about the Horned Frogs, TCU, of course, number seven in the, in the initial college football playoff rankings. Uh, as you put it, 
astutely, not surprising, fairly predictable that they were the lowest undefeated team and behind a one loss Alabama, but no less frustrating for those who have followed that team and, and followed the lack of logic that the playoff committee uses in these things. So tell me a little bit about just kind of what you thought your case was for TCU was and, and why, uh, why you've, you know, leaned on them as, Hey, they should be the number 14. Yeah. Well, part of it was, I was following this so closely with Cincinnati last year and, you know, Cincinnati fans felt like every week the committee would come out and they'd have Cincinnati sixth or seventh behind, they're behind some two lost teams a couple of times. The, the quest for respect. You were on exactly that, that the, last year. You know, Cincinnati fans felt like the goalposts were constantly moving. All right, you got to beat Notre Dame. You got to be undefeated. Well, now you got to win with style points. You know, winning by 15, 16 points is enough. You got to do it 28, 30 points. Um, and, you know, TCU's not in the same boat because they're in the Big 12 and they're in a Power 5 conference. But you can see some analogies there in terms of like, all right, a one-loss Alabama's above them and a Clemson team that has, you know, had struggled some and a Michigan team that didn't play anybody in non-conference. Like, all all these teams are above them, and I'm sure TCU fans are feeling like, what more could we possibly do? And there's definitely, you know, the biggest thing with the committee is they're the human element, right? So it's not just the computers and the statistics. And you do have to be in that group. Like, you can't just throw anyone in the mix and say they should be top four. Like, you do have to make a case, and you can do that for TCU. And my whole argument was, you know, seeing Cincinnati do it last year, seeing what TCU's done this year, it's not easy to make the playoff if you're Alabama or Clemson or Michigan. But I feel like historically, you can say it's harder if you're a TCU or Cincinnati or, you know, kind of one of those, you know, teams that isn't in the the top elite level that hasn't done it before. And, you know, I think TCU deserves credit. I know how hard talking to Cincinnati coaches and players Again, it's pressure for everyone, but there was a lot of pressure on them last year, whether it was style points or just kind of keeping that undefeated streak. And so I think TCU deserves credit for doing it as a team that no one had expectations for. You know, they didn't make the top 25 until week six for coaches and AP poll. Um, and so I think they they deserve some credit for what they've done. And, and since you can make that argument statistically and otherwise that they'd be up there, I think if you're going to add some of the human, human element, mine maybe leans a little bit more towards uh, – given the horn frogs are due. Yeah, I, I you mentioned Clemson earlier, and, and that was the one that I think that puzzled me the most because they're sitting number four with TCU sitting number seven. Both of them ain't no. Their FBS strength of schedule in terms of just pure record is exactly the same, and they've beaten the exact same number of teams over 500, which is four. So the why the two separating, and I think a lot of that, like you said, is perception mm-hmm. max says it helmet calls it helmet programs, which I think mm-hmm. is a fair way to put it, that if this was Texas or OU that had the same resume, the TCU, they would not be sitting number seven. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I wrote, if you shortened it from Texas Christian to Texas, I, I bet they would be in the top four. And like, I, you know, I think that's true. Like there's no way the committee would keep them out. And I know some people argue, well, it, it all is going to work itself out. It doesn't matter where they're at. That's true to some degree, but we saw this with Cincinnati last year. If you're sixth or seventh, that means you need someone above you don't you know control your own destiny so to speak you need those teams above you to, to slip up um and so that can kind of put them at a disadvantage i think moving forward a little bit where you need some losses and help around you and, and just being undefeated might not be enough now again i do think if we get to the end and it's an undefeated big 12 champion i have a hard time believing they'll keep them out but it's just kind of a couple more obstacles they're going to have to beat if they're you know behind some of these teams that have losses or or maybe have a similar resume now, Justin, it's, it's been an interesting year so far for the four 
incoming members of the Big 12. Uh, you cover Cincinnati on a daily basis. You got to go see uh, – I mean, you've been, you've been covering their game, so you saw them uh, against UCF, another incoming Big 12 school. I'm, I'm curious. Obviously, you, you kind of knew – that this was going to be a bit of a reloading year for Cincinnati uh, after all the NFL talent that they lost um, and just how just how veteran that team was last year. How would you kind of describe this Cincinnati season so far? And uh, and also just kind of specifically, like kind of how do you see them getting ready uh, to move up to a Power 5 conference? Yeah, they've been interesting. You know, I think they started off the season, they, they lost to Arkansas, but they – they played well enough for it to be close, but they actually missed some opportunities. And I think a lot of people, myself included, came away from that game thinking, well, they, you know, they could have easily won a game at Arkansas to start the year. Now, you know, maybe I don't value Arkansas quite as high as the committee seems to, the way they were talking about when Alabama beat them. But still, it's an SEC team. Um, and they look good. They, you know, got up by 28 on Indiana in the non-conference. Again, Indiana, but it's a Big Ten team. But since conference play started, they Cincinnati's kind of been trending downward. You know, they the margin of victory shrunk every game until they got to UCF. And honestly, that UCF game should not have been as close as it was. They got a couple fumbles in the red zone. Cincinnati did um, that that helped keep it close. But UCF just beat them pretty much in in every facet of the game. And um, it was it was a, I was really came away impressed by the way UCF played in their game plan. And that's kind of the opposite of what I thought what happened with Cincinnati. I thought they'd get better as the year went on because they have some new pieces and they do have talent. You know, if you look at the recruiting rankings, some of the, the people they're bringing in, um, but they just, you know, new starters and lack of experience because of all that they lost. So I thought you'd see a team build momentum as the year went on. And it, it's kind of been the opposite, you know, conference play that they're three and one and all four games have been a slog. So I'm really interested to see they play Navy this week, which, um, you know, Navy's been kind of running a little hot and cold, but they have some good, AAC games, ECU, who, who's shown some things. They play Tulane to finish the regular season. I'm curious if this loss will be kind of like this galvanizing reality check where, all right, they had this long conference winning streak. Uh, you know, they had all the pressure from last year. Maybe now they can just reboot and get back to playing at the caliber they should. Or if this is just an example of this team might need a, you know, a year and maybe a little bit more time than people thought to, to kind of recalibrate and, and reload, like you said. So I, I think this weekend will be telling the next couple weekends will be telling for Cincinnati long-term, you know, broader perspective though. I, I think they will be okay going in the big 12. I'm not going to say they're going to go in and win the conference next year, but if you just look at, you know, the recruiting rankings and the way they've recruited and developed players the past couple of years, I think they're going to be okay. Even if this year, doesn't end up being the New Year's Six Bowl or a third straight AAC championship, uh, but but yeah, I mean, I think you can point to what UCF's done this year too, and you know they're kind of right there. I know Houston certainly has not lived up to expectations, um, but the way all three of those schools have recruited the past couple of years, and, and the way Cincinnati and especially UCF's played uh, against Cincinnati on Saturday, I, I think is encouraging for them moving forward. Sam, you've obviously seen Dan Olderson a few times this season, kind of warn people. Hey, we, we ain't ready for this. We ain't ready for the Big 12. <laughs> Roster's not there yet. You know, a lot, lot of work is going to go into this in terms of, of you know, sort of constructing, um, you know, obviously these programs, whether it's Holgerson or Malzahn or, um, you know, Sataki or, or Luke Fickle, like they, they're trying to build cultures and they're trying to build something here. But it, it is a big step up in terms of what you see on a weekly basis. Do, do you feel like, Justin, um, do, do, how, how do you feel like Luke Fickle – is handling and, and going to kind of handle uh, that message publicly in terms of maybe setting the right expectations uh, for people 
Um, like you said, maybe if you're not in a New Year's Six pool this year, then people aren't thinking we're just going to go in and, and stomp the Big 12. And, and look, the the fact that um, as of today, Oklahoma and Texas are still around, maybe does that help a little bit in terms of the way look at the way people look at joining that conference as a 14-team league? Yeah, maybe. Honestly, I think this year in general, like the, the way the Big 12, how deep it's been top to bottom, you know, historically yep. you're looking at Kansas and um, even Kansas State, TCU have had maybe some down seasons. Well, you know, that's it's not going to be like you can just roll into Lawrence, Kansas and chalk it up as a win every year on, on the non-conference or in the conference schedule. But you're right. I mean, Cincinnati, I think, has even been not hurt a little bit, but all offseason they talked about we don't want to limit the expectations that we you know achieved last year and they don't want to you know drop drop the expectation for the program moving forward which is great until then fans are getting ticked off because you're six and two and you know losing by four points on the road to UCF but that's that's kind of the the standard that Luke Fickle's established and I think they want to keep that going forward every all the messaging out of Cincinnati football and otherwise has been like day one ready when they go to the big 12 and I think people understand like you know, men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball. All right, that's that's probably going to be a while. But but football is supposed to be the one where it's like we're not expecting you to go in and run the table and and win a Big Twelve championship, but you should be able to kind of go in and hold your own. And I think nothing from this season is going to change that. But the the depth of the Big Twelve and seeing you know some of the struggles when you do lose nine players in the NFL draft, I think it is it's it's going to be a challenge for Cincinnati probably next year and maybe the next couple. Um, but but I do expect that they'll they'll go in and you know they should be able to compete to be middle of that Big Twelve pack at least. Justin, when you think about that twenty three schedule that'll come out um, probably sometime in late November or early December, what are your goals? Are you are you hoping to go to Morgantown? Are you hoping to go to Austin for a weekend? Are you hoping you can get you know a Thursday night game in Provo? I mean, what what are you looking for with that first schedule in the Big Twelve for Cincinnati? There and they are purely rumors, but there's all this buzz. I don't even know where it's coming from that Oklahoma is coming to Nippert Stadium next year, right now. Ooh. And you know, maybe people were also thinking that the horns down schedule that was on Twitter a couple weeks ago was real. So who knows where <laughs> these rumors are coming from? Um, I mean, I know they don't like Texas, but they're not they're not that mad, right? Uh, I would love to go to Austin. That would be great if if uh, Brett is is listening and and the other powers that be at the Big Twelve. Um, I think that'd be a fun road trip, Morgantown easy drive from Cincinnati. So, you know, they've already kind of uh, signaled that those Cincinnati, uh, West Virginia are going to be partners, but you guys tell me, I, I haven't really made some of these trips. I hear Lubbock and, and Stillwater uh, Ames, maybe not the easiest um, road trips t- to make. So you guys tell me where I need to go. Like, how do you think, like, what, what is, what is the itinerary you think for you to get out to Gonzaga? For, for a basketball, <laughs> you know. Apparently, that's not that's not as bad as Orlando and Morgantown, but still probably a little challenging. For a little little bit of a a little bit of a hike. The time zones will be will be fun. <laughs> we just keep adding time zones onto onto the Big Twelve, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I, I hear Provo's beautiful. I think Spokane mm-hmm. is is beautiful. So. I have I'm now like conditioned on that Orlando flight, which is just constantly screaming kids both directions going to oh, Disney yeah. World. Oh, yeah. um, it makes it makes me a little homesick every time I'm on on the flight. Um, but so it may be a little bit of a longer trip out to sleepy Spokane w- won't be so bad. Uh, but seriously, send yeah. me wherever. Yeah, you're going to need some you're going to need some help getting out to Lubbock. Right, Sam? That's going to be a little tricky. Yeah, you can- 
you, 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 you well you you probably can't fly direct you probably definitely have to connect but at least you can fly into lubbock which it's is a plus Dallas. as opposed yeah. to Stillwater, you probably have to fly into oklahoma city or tulsa now waco you can fly to dallas or you can really fly to austin if you want to um what else what, what are the travel tips you got for have, have you been waco? to a bucky's justin that's oh, right i, I love bucky's okay uh, the if Cincinnati, there's like some fear they could get relegated to the Birmingham Bowl, which Cincinnati fans are just dejected about. Yeah. They actually, had, I think our Stu and Scott had them playing Texas A&M in the Birmingham Bowl, which oh, would boy. be extremely interesting based on where expectations were preseason. Yeah. But all I thought immediately was, yeah, there's there's a, a Bucky's just outside of Birmingham. Send me, send me to the Birmingham Bowl. That's that's totally fine. What, what um, do you think, Sam? Cincinnati playing a 6-6 six and six A&M trying to hand them a losing season? In the Birmingham Bowl, does it get more depressing than that for AM? Oh man, the Birmingham Bowl that is kind of like where if you've got to the Birmingham Bowl and you're a power five team, then you've probably had a bad season. That's just, Cincinnati that's just a couple years ago just smoked Boston College in a Birmingham Bowl that was rain delayed by like an hour and a half. So, as as dejected as Cincinnati fans would be, yeah, imagine what the Texas AM fans are, are gonna be. Just I mean, they'll, maybe, maybe they'll be happy to get to a six million dollars to. They might be happy to just get to a bowl game because right now they they have to win three of their last four to get to a bowl game. So they win three of the last four. I think A&M might be feeling all right. Oh, my goodness. That that is the Birmingham Bowl is the place for people who barely made a bowl game in in a lot of ways. (laughs) So, yeah, there's some relief in in getting there. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's well. Any any more travel tips for for joining the Big 12, Sam? Yeah. uh, Hein Barbecue in Fort Worth, Evie Mays Barbecue in Lubbock. Uh, yeah. Just about anywhere in Austin, there's a million places in Austin you can go. Houston will always take care of you when when you come down to eat. You, it whenever I mean you already you already come to Houston anyway for right. Cincinnati, but I don't know if you've done the Breakfast Club, but you definitely got to do chicken and waffles at the Breakfast Club the next time. That you sounds great. So. You you guys mentioned Waco. My wife could care less about anything sports related, but when she found mm. out Baylor is in the Big Twelve and <laughs> Baylor was in Waco, oh, uh, you going to the silos? Oh, she's got her Magnolia just list ready for suddenly. Suddenly she cared a lot about these big 12 road trips. Uh, so <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. That's tremendous. Yeah. They, uh, fortunately, fortunately good barbecue joints there too. So okay, for good. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Just, we won't have any money because think... we're going to spend it all at Magnolia, but that's, you know, that's, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. There's a little bit of premium. If you're going to make the pilgrimage to Waco to, to pay for, uh, to pay for Magnolia goods. Um, Justin, I'm, I'm curious what, what you thought, you know, over the weekend and, and kind of what the reaction was, um, you know, around your parts about this new Big 12 TV deal and just what the proposition of, of 31 plus million a year um, in, in revenue and, and trying to get this thing up to 50 a year. What would that mean to Cincinnati uh, and, and these incoming schools? When you talk about what that means relative to, the AAC payouts, uh, I have to assume it, it's a huge deal for this uh, university. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was actually like my flight f- back from Orlando for the UCF game landed. And there's a bunch of Cincinnati fans on, on my flight. And it was after a rough game for Bearcats fans, I think, for all of us to land and pull up and see some of these reports about the Big t- Big 12 TV deal uh, helped, helped lessen the, the sting a little bit. And, and I've said this all along, like I know there was some initial – um, worry among some of these big 12 schools about like if they might have to take a, a drop down and pay for the incoming schools, the AA schools, AAC schools, especially like it was always going to be a, a boon for them because they're going from, you know, around six, seven million a year in terms of TV dollars, really like 
south of seven million a year. And so even if it was going to be 20 or 25 million dollars, like that's a huge jump up. I mean, I know that, for Cincinnati, buy they, some more Christmas gifts for sure. Yeah, yeah. The, the yeah. Cincinnati was excited about what the prorated rate is going to be in the Big 12 these first two years before that TV deal kicks in. <laughs> right. So to see that it's, you know, just the the tier one and tier two rights are, are going to be north of 30 million and we still have CFP and NCA tournament and maybe some some tier three rights, like you said, that could even bump it up a little bit more that's going to make a huge difference for these schools who, you know, let's be honest, have been subsidizing for a while. They're, they're, they're going to probably have some uh, payments back that they have to make in certain areas, but uh, that's, that's really going to change the, the game. And I know all these schools are investing, you know, Cincinnati's building a hundred million dollar indoor practice facility. That's they've kind of already started work on. And so some of those things that really weren't a possibility or rea- reality are, not going to be common now, but you know they can at least entertain those things. So it's it's definitely a, a big big move for for Cincinnati to start. They've kind of been spending and acting like a Power Five team for a long time, and now they're going to get paid like it. And I know they're excited about it. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Same thing with uh, Houston. They've kind of been the same same boat of uh, spending like a Power Five, but uh, going to be a huge deal. Well, Justin, we know you got to go, man. Thanks for joining the pod, man, and uh, best of luck the rest of the season. Can't wait to see you down down in Texas uh, here before too too long. Absolutely, I'm I'm looking forward to it. We'll we'll see if it ends up being Birmingham or, or not, but hopefully wherever <laughs> the Bearcats get sent, there's a there's a, if they end up making the Cotton Bowl, there's Bucky's relatively close to that too. So. <laughs> I'll, I'll take, take whichever buckies I can get to. For sure. For sure. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, fellas. Talk to you. Well, appreciate Justin joining us on the pod and already salivating at the uh, potential for road trips. I've never had Skyline Chili, though, so I guess I will make a Cincinnati trip at some point in the future. Have you done Skyline Chili, Max? Is I think I've done it one time um, when, I was, when I was much younger. Yeah. Um, I, I doesn't really seem like my thing, but always willing to try something. It looks, it just looks odd to me. That's, I will say with the pictures of it, it just looks strange. But I think it's I, too much shredded cheese. Too much cold okay. shredded cheese is the thing that throws me off when I look at pictures of Skyline Chili. Yeah. I, I'm a Texas chili guy through and through. So you, you can't tell me nothing. But uh, <laughs> uh, let's, but, but before we wrap up, let's do a quick run your pool update. So I did pick, I did remember to pick my games this week, Max. So uh, I did, hey. know, don't know how much it helped. Once me again, you did better than me because you remembered to do your picks this week. <laughs> I went 11 and 15, which is not great. Uh, and you went 10 and 16. So neither of us really burning it up right now. And uh, after such a great start, my record is getting ever so much closer to 500, 161 and 145. You are 169 and 160. You are teetering on close to 500, my my friend. I am. Uh, but then I, I was looking through the standings and I noticed that um... – that Ari is 113 and 114, which means that I think it means that he's just straight up given up on this. Um, so <laughs> to any of the listeners out there, um, you know, Ari's in 322nd place here, or 321st place here. Just take comfort in knowing that uh, you're better at this than Ari. If, uh, if you're still doing this, congratulations. I want to know how that record stacks up to his actual bets that he makes on the weekend. Also, shout out Matt McGill, 193 and 136. Like, holy crap, you and I are not catching that guy. Good Lord. Yeah, that's not happening. Uh, Yeah, I I thought early on, after like the first five weeks of the season, I thought I might have a chance to be in the top five, top ten. And now, of course, that was assuming that I would pick every week. But 
but even the weeks that I have picked in recent weeks, it ain't gone very well. I have not <laughs> been very far over 500. Um, it's all so, games yeah, one, it is a lot. Uh, so runyourpool.com, Andy Staples show and friends group come outdo me and max because we're not doing very well <laughs> but uh, but uh yeah so fun weekend ahead uh lots to lots to see lots to talk about thanks you guys as always for listening make sure you follow the andy staples show and friends feed on apple podcast uh you can subscribe to the andy staples show on youtube andy and ari wasserman regularly do their show live from there they'll have their picks uh with nicole Auerbach on friday as always uh, special guest interviews can be found there on the YouTube channel. Uh, and thanks for listening. And we will talk to you again next week.